1: Seriously, interesting, intelligent, insightful, remarkable episode of FNO
2: InsureTech. (laughs) InsureTech. Emphasis. InsureTech.
1: InsureTech. I am your co-host, Rob Beller, with none other than the comedic, (laughs) the struggling comic, yeah. Lee Boyd. Lee, is it true that you're trying to get into the to the world of stand up comedy?
2: I have tried to tell two jokes today and it didn't work. And I think my problem is I just finished a Steve Harvey book and it was this motivational book. And he talked about how uh, comedy and so I, I was feeling funny after reading his book and it just didn't land. Just didn't work. So you're but no Steve Harvey. I'm no oh, I am no Steve Harvey. I'm, uh, I tell you though, he has a really good book. Um, a couple of them that are good. They're, they're they're motivational books about getting your life right and setting your goals. And it was it was a great one. Okay, I know you're a big
1: big reader. So I do read. Um, I do. Read. And you don't always you don't always tell me about the books you read. So if I don't. you tell me about it, it's because it 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 got to you.
2: And it's funny because I just finished Steve Harvey and I just started Plato, and I'm trying to compare the two, and they're you know not 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 (laughs) quite on the same. I don't know. I don't know how Plato
1: would feel about that.
2: Not not quite on the same, but I will say if you if you're looking for a good New Year's motivational book to think like a success, be a success. I think that's the title. I don't know.
1: It's a pretty good book. Do you think that Plato would have been a good host on Family Feud?
2: No. No, but of course, in my head, when you read Plato, it's all about Socrates because he writes in Socrates. And so now I'm thinking about Socrates being a host, and there'd be so many questions that nobody would ever be able to answer.
1: Right. Like, so no. And I'm not going to ask you any more questions about that. <laughs> We're done. But speaking of brilliance yeah. and motivation, yeah, we have a brilliant guest today. We, we have do. a luminary. A from very,
2: the, very from intelligent
1: person from the insurance industry. We have Ellen Carney from Forrester Research.
2: Yes, and she is gonna come on and talk all about insure tech. I mean, very rarely do we get to talk to somebody who studies our niche this in depth. Yeah. That she, right. she knows everything that there is. We're gonna get to talk about the PNC side. We're gonna get to right. talk about the life side. We're gonna talk about agents and what their role is. And right. we get to talk about the future. And have you ever wondered If all these insured techs are going to be around forever, well, she has a prediction, an updated prediction. I have wondered that. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of them. Now, you don't always see them at the next year's conference, but are we, you know, what's happening?
1: One of the cool things about our podcast is we find a lot of really generous, kind people who are willing to come on and talk. And Ellen, and the people at Forester are paid a lot of money to do things like this. Um, and she's kind enough to come on and share today things that anybody who listens to our podcast is going to find important, insightful, and and make you think, and um and 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 maybe even scratch your head. And mm-hmm. uh, well spoken, very bright, super experienced. That's what else can you say about Ellen Carney?
2: Just a really nice person. So nice. She was giving blood. She was. She had to leave after, so after, she could after. go. She did not want to be late to her giving blood appointment.
1: That's right. See, and all what? around.
2: Good, nice person. A very nice Have Have you given blood today? I have no. not. Okay, and, I'm, so and I don't have one scheduled.
1: That's who we're dealing with here, folks. So um, without further ado, we're going to get to our interview with Ellen Carney, the one and only from Forrester Research. Here we go. Hey, everybody. We are here with our super special guest, a a phrase that I um, don't throw around very often, super special, not just special. Um, We have with us Ellen Carney from Forrester. There are some luminaries in the insurance industry in the world of PNC that we've had on our podcast through the years, and this is one of them. Ellen, I I can't say enough good things about her if you've seen her speak like I have on several occasions at conferences. She's uh, bright and talented and, and super knowledgeable, and we're honored to have you with us today. Thanks for coming.
0: Well, thanks, Lee and Rob. I'm really excited to be here. And thank you for asking me to kind of weigh in on some of the things that we're hearing and seeing for the year ahead.
2: Well, that's exactly
1: it. If you do this long enough, eventually you get to the real great people like yourself. And just quick story. I saw an article about something that Ellen predicted, which is kind of the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today. I won't disclose it yet. And I just reached out to her through LinkedIn. And I said, hey, would you be on a a podcast that you've never heard of? And um, she was kind enough to say yes. So thank you very much for doing that. Oh, pleasure. I'm sure that you get uh, requests to speak all the time. And, um, And for those of you who aren't familiar with Forrester or with Ellen, why don't you start by telling us what Forrester Research is, what your job is there?
0: Yeah. Well, Forged Research has been in business, gosh, at this point in time for about 35 years. We're based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And we are, um, you know, basically a market research IT consultancy that, you know, helps clients become customer-obsessed, customer-focused, drive better customer experiences through the use of digital capabilities, technology. And I've been with Forrester for 16 years. I can honestly say it is, as you can tell from being there 16 years, this is the coolest job on the planet. If you're curious and you want to talk to people and you like to write and think and
1: be curious. Talk about that. Why? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, you know, you get to have ideas, um, you get to research the ideas, you get to talk to super cool people, frankly, people like yourselves that, you know, have been in the industry for a while, um, get their take on what they see is going on in the business. The other cool thing about Forrester is, you know, if you love data, this is like being a kid in a candy store. Oh, I bet so. Yeah. Between what, cons, you know, the consumer data that we have, the commissioned research collection that we do. And, you know, of course, the data that we have around, you know, how businesses are investing. So, as I said, Kidney Candy Store. That is so neat. Yeah. And you get to put it all together.
2: Yeah. So so what do you focus on there? What is your focus at Forrester?
0: The coolest industry of the world, insurance. Of course. Insurance.
2: <laughs> 100%. 100%.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So yeah. what do you do with it? What do, what do you do with, with insurance and at, at Forrester?
0: Well, Lee, I've looked at insurance through three different lenses and it all kind of comes together really well with technology companies that are looking to, you know, sell to insurance companies, you know, insurance companies that are looking to use technology to deliver better customer experiences and um, also to help, uh, you know, insurance, you know, technology leaders pick the right kinds of technology solutions for their business. So I've covered insurance from three lenses the first three and a half years I was here at Four as part of the sales enablement team. So, how do insurance buyers buy tech? Because they buy very differently than banks do. Let's put it that way. Right. It's much more relationship driven, much more conversational in the business of insurance. You know, banking is you know transactional. Then I spent nine years as a digital business strategy analyst. I got my foot back in that uh, area right now. But you know, how do we use digital channels to win, serve, retain um, consumer customers, small business customers, and agents? So I also look at the role of the agent and, you know, lest anybody think the agents are going anywhere, they ain't. They're <laughs> they're sticking around. Agents are more important than ever. And in fact, what we see agents becoming are, is, you know, sophisticated digital shops like a Geico has. Right. And then... In 2019, Forrester changed his go-to-market strategy away from roles to verticals, um, which was terrific. And so now I also look at the kinds of investments that insurance companies are making in, in you know core technology. So you know claims is a big area, billing, policy administration, um, and I cover both PNC and life.
2: So over 16 years, that's a long time, and technology has come a very long way in yeah. 16 years. What were you focusing on? What were you seeing then? And what are you seeing now?
0: Well, one of the things, interestingly, is, you know, a a couple of things. First is the role of data and analytics. You know, we talked a lot about it 16 years ago. You know, it's one of the most common inquiries that we have here at Forrester from insurance companies is anything to do with data and analytics. You know, now we're seeing, you know, how insurance companies are using the data that they have structured, unstructured. And of course, You know, the sources of data are becoming really, really interesting now, um, especially with things like IoT. So how are we taking that data and turning it into something that's meaningful from an insights perspective and making sure that the data is setting us up to be successful when we roll out artificial intelligence? And so what we're seeing right now, Lee, is some really interesting use cases for AI in the business of insurance. Some of it's a little creepy. Um, One of my favorite sources of information, um, and some of your listeners may be aware of this publication, New Scientist, um, which is a London... Publication, and I always get fantastic ideas for the insurance industry, both from a technology perspective, but also some of the things that we're seeing around climate change and stuff like that. So, um, just to give you an idea, there's a company called Do Not Pay, which is basically, (laughs) wait for this, using AI to coach. You know, people who are, um, you know, uh, on trial because of, you know, perhaps a traffic infraction, you know, speeding, you know, uh, tailgating, whatever. And it's basically using AI to coach the defendant about what they should say in the courtroom.
1: Wow. I did
2: not know that.
1: (laughs) Yes. Can you share like an example of a cool AI application in the insurance world that you've come across? That it, you feel is promising, or
0: oh yeah, well, and I think we, you know, this came out in spades after uh, the pandemic, but certainly some of the things that we're seeing for that—that's AI-driven or artificial intelligent-driven chatbots. So how can we answer questions for a consumer um, about when their bill is paid? Questions they might have about their claim without having to wait to connect to a you know to someone in a call center or an agent or, or things like that. So you don't have to hang around on hold and you don't have to wait till the agency opens up on Monday morning to ask the question. So we're seeing that coming from carriers. And to be honest with you, as I said, you know we're seeing agencies. Independent agencies investing in these kinds of AI capabilities to sure. serve, serve customers when the agency is closed, when that small business owner is, you know, trying to figure out what's going on with their insurance or their claims or whatever, you know, when they're not on the on the clock and uh, the agency is closed. And it keeps them from calling the carrier. And so that independent agent can, can control that relationship. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I and, you know, we saw that as the number one channel choice. Post-pandemic, in terms of the way that people wanted to interact with their insurance companies, last year the number one inquiry we had from insurance companies was about cloud, and probably not a surprise. The companies that they were asking about are AWS, you know, Amazon uh, and Microsoft Azure. Now, interestingly, this year, you know, the number one company that uh, uh, insurance companies are asking about this is in the first half of the year was microsoft azure and so they have kind of trumped you know amazon aws this year in terms of cloud questions uh, that why, were specific. why is that that's a good question. And I think part of the reason is, is just the, the role of Microsoft within the business of insurance, sure. right? Yeah. You know, we're a Microsoft shop, you know, we're, you mm-hmm. know, we, we, we depend on, uh, you know, office outlook, you know, everything. there.
2: Teams and all
0: Teams, those things. Teams. Yeah, you got it. They've
1: tied it together. It makes yep. sense to go in that direction.
0: Yep, exactly. And, you know, so it makes it a, you know, a pretty easy sell. Um, So, you know, this may be a little bit of a rock up a hill for Amazon AWS, but we'll see what happens as we look at the second half of 2022 and see if, uh, you know, our friends at uh, Amazon have recovered there. So, you know, we've moved away from dipping our toe in the water to, you know, full blown, you know, we're going cloud, you know, it's got to be in the cloud. That is going to be, you know, the way we're going to be imagining our business moving forward.
2: Why does everybody want to be in the cloud? Is it just to make them more nimble? Is it so they can make things and, or is it because of audits and, and, and compliance?
0: Uh, You know, I I think, you know, one of the things that you certainly hear from insurance companies is there, there are some that are, you know, um, that say hell will freeze over before we, you know, move from on-prem, but many you know many are saying you know we like the cloud we like the fact that you know if we you know are buying a cloud solution then we're going to get you know all the benefits of the latest releases we don't have all the expenses associated with you know uh, maintaining those releases That said, we're hearing interestingly um, from some vendors, it's, you know, hey, we could kind of step in here and and help support these customers who, you know, don't want to go cloud, um, aren't going to be supported because, you know, we've certainly shifted away from the carrot to the stick when it came, when it comes to how we're going to be supported in the cloud from some of the core system vendors. So, uh, you know, you're seeing some interesting um, system integrators see, you know, the opportunity to still continue to support some of these non-cloud proponents, um, you know, as they move forward. What's their concern? Is it security? I think it's security. Um, I think, you know, it's, you know, kind of philosophy. We've always been on prem, you know, it's, you know, this is something that we're concerned about. We're going to, we're going to stick this way. I have to be honest with you though, Rob, it tends to be smaller carriers, tends to be smaller carriers that kind of have that um, perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, And certainly what you hear from some of the larger carriers is, you know, Hey, you know, we know we've got to do this. We know it's going to be expensive you know to make that shift to the cloud but you know we think it's going to be better for our business.
1: Is that something that falls by the wayside? I mean the whole insurance world has to migrate there eventually.
0: Eventually. Yeah. yeah. I think eventually. Yeah. yeah.
1: You can you can you can fight it but uh yeah. The the, <laughs> the upsides are just too great.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that's a, that's in fact the case. Right. So, in terms of some of the business priorities we're seeing, every year we do, uh, and this is, I love this survey, we do a business priority survey. So, okay. we, you know, explore how different verticals are going to be prioritizing um, different uh, business strategies and how that actually translates into kind of the tech investments that they're also going to be making. So, this is in the field right now. We'll be having this, uh, you know, data Towards the end of this quarter, uh, but last year, and this was crazy. The number one uh, strategic priority for insurance companies, voiced by every single insurer that we surveyed as a critical or high priority for their business, was building a foundation for economic growth. We want to okay. strengthen our. We want to strengthen the foundation that we have to grow our business. What and that, that yeah. well, what does that mean? Yes, yeah. you're right. I, you know, have explained it from a variety of perspectives. Certainly, you know, technology, you know, where it's going to help us, you know, be more efficient, more effective in the way we're servicing our customers. It's also, you know, our people, you know, how do we develop, you know, you know, to the point that we had talked about before around the role of data and analytics for insurance companies. How do we build that data literacy amongst everybody within our organization? I've said for years that insurance, every insurance employee is going to become a data analyst. That's going to be their jobs. Um, And, uh, you know, we have to prepare people for that. And, you know, you see some skepticism from some long timers in the business. I, yeah, you know, I've always, you know, no one needs to tell me this, right? You know, I I know how to fly this plane, right? I've done it through visual flight rules for all these years. Um, Now we're asking them to fly by instrument, you know, trust this data. This is, you know, you know, this is going to help us make better underwriting decisions, better claims decisions. And so, you know, data literacy is certainly one of the areas that we see. Um, partnerships. Some of those partnerships are with insurtechs, you know, the yeah. audience for our conversation today. Obviously, a bunch of them are getting acquired, but they showed, you know, traditional primary insurers the art of the possible. That's what they were able to do.
1: hmm Ah, that's an interesting way of putting it.
0: Yes. Yeah, it is.
1: Uh huh. Look what can be done.
0: Yeah, yeah. When you have a, when you have a blank sheet of paper, you're not burdened by your core systems by as as we had talked about our your philosophy around cloud. You can move faster. You know, you build the business that you want.
1: Mm-hmm. You might not be able to get it implemented. But, <laughs> yes, but exactly. it's cool.
0: It is cool. You know, again, uh, the, the art of the possible. And of course, so you see this a lot with, you know, innovation labs within insurance companies. Yeah. is Yeah. The art of the possible, you know, is addressed in spades in these innovation labs. The problem is, is that nothing usually sees the light of day from the innovation lab. Mm-hmm. It never gets commercialized. It never gets scaled. Is
1: that your knock on the innovation lab?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Have mm-hmm. felt that way for a long time.
1: Is it their fault or is it just uh, a cultural?
0: I think it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural problem, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's you know we're a very risk averse industry. You know, we could have some wonderful ideas. I'm sure you guys use this as well. But one of the greatest sources of information, I gave you my other one on New Scientist, but patent filings. What patent filings does an insurance company make? And you kind of get a sense of where they're going there directionally. Um, State Farm always does some really cool stuff, but I always take a look at the patent filings. You know, what's, what's in their head? What's the IP that they're thinking about? And, uh, you know, is this dog going to hunt? You know, is this going to turn into anything? But it gives you a sense of how they're thinking about their business moving forward. Now, it may not be happening tomorrow, but it could happen longer term. And I think probably one of the best examples of this is, you know, back in 2014, 2015, State Farm filed a patent where they didn't even call themselves an insurance company in the patent. They called themselves a life management company. And it was all about, you know, in this arcane patent language about, you know, aggregation of data and this, that, and the other thing. But really, now that you have this relationship and investment in ADT, you know, the Google smart home stuff, it became very clear that, okay, This is, you know, this is, you know, how they're moving into this interesting direction where State Farm becomes a life management company, not an insurance company, a life management company. Help you manage and protect the things that are dear to you, help you prevent claims, and this is how they're going to do it.
1: Has that come to pass? Is, is that where they
0: are? I, well, I think they're moving that way, obviously, with that, you know, announcement, was it September with the yeah. uh, 15% uh, ownership 18? of ADT and, you know, the Google smart uh, home device relationship and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're exploring, you know, they're, they're innovating at, at scale at state. Right.
1: Uh-huh. Which is interesting for such a old, established, yeah. Bloomington, Illinois company, right? Yeah. That, that they would be more towards the front.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, State Farm has I think taken very seriously what they need to do with their customers. And uh, I just finished up the uh, customer experience index report for U.S. auto and home insurance and State Farm did really well this year. Yeah. Um, were they, you know, uh, you know, at the top? No, but they make my heart feel really glad that they're doing really good things in terms of how they're supporting their customers and how their agents are supporting their customers. Tell so, us a little
2: bit about that. I, I'm curious. What are you, what are you seeing with that? Lee has a State Farm <laughs> background. History. Uh, history. Okay. But no, I, I would love to say what is State Farm doing that warmed your heart?
0: Well, um, you know, I think they're doing a great job servicing their customers. I think they're doing a really good job enabling their agents, their captive agents to service their customers. And I think that's, I I think, you know, they're part of the fabric of their local communities and people Mm -hmm. stick with them for a long time. And I think that really got demonstrated here. Um, That's neat. So yeah, State Farm did very well this year. And, you know, as I said, it made me glad to see that, uh, You know, they're wanting to move forward, wanting to innovate, wanting to change their business and, you know, basically recognizing that they have to.
2: That's neat. Yeah, I'd like to circle back just real quick. We talked about agents and there was there was a time mid... You know, 2015, 2017, where the role of the agent was in question and everyone thought the agent is going away. It's all direct to consumer. We're all going online. You don't need an agent. And now all that we hear <laughs> in 2022, 2023 is the agent is everything. Yes. What, what What happened there? Like, I, I guess it was a determined that we need the agent.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing, you know, and I got to say, I'm, I, you know, maybe I was a lone voice because back in 2015, I was saying, yeah, the agents ain't going anywhere. They're sticking around, yeah. um, you know, and uh, you know, what you're seeing certainly is, you know, agents, uh, you know, supporting customers. One of the things that we see in our own data is, you know, even for you know, people who have been to the insurance rodeo for a while—they're still uncertain about. You know, do I have the right coverage? I don't understand. You know the pri- you know the pricing I got for this quote. You know what's covered, right. what's not covered, and they want to talk to somebody. Um, here's something crazy: we asked this in Australia, but when we asked Gen Zs, what would make them most likely to go with a digital insurance company? Uh, you know, a digital startup, an insure tech, like you know, this audience is, or or this podcast is aimed at. Wait for this. 36% said if they had a mobile app that connected me to an agent, (laughs) an agent. Well, it kind of, well, it goes back to, you know, um, you know, I'm cutting the apron strings. I'm leaving home. This is, I've Mm -hmm. just graduated college. I've getting my first job. I got my first car. Um, and you know, the realization that insurance does not come with a car for the most part yet. Um, so I need to get some. And so they talk to a neighbor, they talk to a boss, they talk to parents and parents, you know, talk to an agent and, uh, you know, it gets a little bit different when they get a little bit older and they've been to the insurance rodeo at least, you know, one or two times, you know, then they're happy to kind of work direct. But uh, you know, Gen Zs, and then we we saw this back in 2015. 18 year olds, most common thing they were doing on a mobile app in interacting with their insurance companies was looking for an agent. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. Agents and, ain't going anywhere. And their parents, I'm thinking of Kate Terry. Yeah, it's around. It's around. Their market is providing insurance to millennials or now Gen Zs. Yeah. Right? And who's their primary distribu- distribution point? agents. Mm-hmm. And why? Because most parents have an agent. That's right. And where does a kid go to, how do I go about insurance, mom and dad? That's yep. where they go. Exactly. So, and
0: so, well, and here's the thing though, you know, the agent has to call back, the agent has to support them, or there's got to right. be some easy mechanism that they actually can connect. Right. And so that's certainly one of the reasons why you also see agencies investing in you know cool digital capabilities, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I went to uh, uh, you know Applied Applied Systems. You know graciously invited me to uh, AppliedNet in uh, Nashville this year, and I get to open the conference with a talk on you know in sh- you know what's going on in the in the tech landscape for agents. And when I asked the audience, um, how many of you have a chat bot that, you know, AI enabled almost everybody in, the, but there were about 200 people in the audience raised their hands. I asked the the question, any of you working on the metaverse? And for those of you in the audience that, you know, most of you, I suspect you're going to know what the metaverse is, but, you know, these kind of virtual environments where, you know, you can immerse yourself in experiences with a Oculus headset or whatever, and it could be used for training. It could be used to understand risks and stuff like that. We actually had an agent, an agency owner, young guy say, yeah, I'm working on that for my agency. I was like, wow.
2: Wow, that's impressive.
0: It was. So what you're seeing the you know, really smart agencies doing is investing in um, the kind of technology, as I said, that Geico and Progressive, you know, have invested in. And and I see, you know, some of the agency, independent agencies, and these are little guys, 14, 15, 20 people in the agency that are, you know, pulling out the stops in terms of technology. And, And, you know, also, I'd have to say a big focus on customer experience.
1: Let's talk about InsurTech directly. Okay. I don't even know where to start with you, (laughs) which is a wonderful thing. It's not like you're here to talk about one thing, but let's jump in at the article that caught my attention. Okay. I I get Insurance Journal hits my email, I guess daily. And there was an article, Ellen Carney says 25% of all InsurTechs will disappear in 2023. Yeah. Well, that, of course, caught my attention. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about agents feeling threatened. What about podcasters who have an InsureTech podcast? <laughs> but, but, no, but seriously, share with us where that came from and, and tell us about that project.
0: Well, um, every year we do a predictions report. You know, there are predictions, you know, across Forrester and, you know, from a technology perspective, from a vertical perspective, whether we're covering healthcare or public sector or retail banking, you know, we all do our our, our predictions, what we think are going to happen. Um, some of us, um, not me, uh, you know, are even good enough where they actually go back and revisit, you know, last year's predictions and see how we did.
1: Grade um, themselves.
0: Yeah, we kind of grade mm-hmm. our grade themselves. So we can kind of take a look at what's going on in the marketplace. And, you know, you, you certainly could see some of the rumblings about what was going on with some of the insure ticks. Um, you know, uh, no longer in business. The website was missing or file not found, you were seeing all these, you know, kinds of indications that things were not quite right in that pretty robust business. You know, and at the same time also, you know, we had interest rates going up and there were better investments for, you know, how to use free capital than an insure tech. So, um, you know, if we, we put a stake in the sand, we said 25% of insurer techs would exit the market. And there's okay. a couple of ways, you know, Rob and Lee, that exit could happen. It could be an yeah. acquisition. It could be, a, you know, a windup that might be happening from some of the VCs. We're going to put some of these together, or it could be just simply, you know, we're, we're done. You know, we're going to throw in the towel, you know, we're walk on the way, running. right? We're, uh, yeah. Exactly. It's over. Um, so we said 25%, you know, we're going to go through this and, you know, we're, you know, not, we're going to be either shadows of their former selves or not their former selves, um, uh, at the end of 2023. And I got to be honest with you gentlemen, that's when we get wrong. Got one. We get wrong. Okay. And well, that's already. That's transparent.
2: You know, well, which question. way? Which way? It's, Up not or a down? Good way.
0: it's you know, it, it's going to increase. So it's <laughs> so, so higher than 25%. 25%. Forty
2: to 50%. Oh, Oh, my. Morty. So what do you think? I mean, out of that, do you think most of them are exiting by being acquired? Or do you think most are exiting by force, right? By leaving, by running out of money, by walking away?
0: Well, I think the good news will be, you know, the ones that have viable business models, the ones that have captured the attention of carriers, you know, and a great example is Travelers and Trove, you know, with an acquisition like that. So you'll see some get acquired. You'll see some, as I said, that will get wind up. But I think, unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, if you haven't really distinguished yourselves, if you haven't really differentiated yourself in the market, and and fortunately, that's one of the things we saw, you know, same old, same old, you know, I've already seen that. That's not... new and interesting, you know, um, I think those are the ones that are going to go by the wayside.
1: They'll be on sale.
0: They'll be on sale. And we certainly have heard from, you know, some of the tech vendors that I work with, you know, some of the insure techs that they had made overtures to in the heyday um, have come back and say, "Is you know, would you still be interested in acquiring us? Yeah, sure. Not for the same price. Not for the same price. Mm
1: -hmm. So So, it's it's
0: a buyer's market now.
1: So they're caught up in a macro in in the macroeconomic yep. uh, reality of 2023.
0: Yeah, you know, and and you guys have been through this as well, right? You've been through the dot com bubble, you know. Mm-hmm. I uh, I was as well. I thought I was going to be a gazillionaire eighty seven times over because you know everybody was leaving and going join, joining uh, dot com startups, and I got enough to buy a pair of shoes at Marshalls <laughs> at the end of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it was exciting being in the boardroom at Morgan Stanley. I got to say, I would imagine. Uh huh.
1: That's that's cool. How did it work out for Morgan Stanley?
0: Uh no it didn't it didn't
2: <laughs> it didn't it, not so <laughs> great
1: not so great
0: Oh yeah um, better than Lehman and beer yep
1: we've started to see from our perch right consolidation happening
0: mm-hmm.
1: our relationships are a little more claim focused claim technology yes. focused and so but we've started to see some of those things like I think about Fly reel just comes oh yeah the yeah, off, off yeah. my
2: hazard Hub or
0: oh yeah
1: yeah and um but. But yeah, I mean, if you can do it, like I know that the company that we work for Alacrity and the, and, and we've looked at companies that mm-hmm. were just too rich. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's coming around.
0: Yeah, right? exactly. I,
1: I, yeah. I think that um, it's the access to capital has changed.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. So it forces is the issue. So tell us, talk some more about tech, And it's funny that these two things are happening at the same time because on the one hand you would say insurtech is on the rise yeah. right with each passing year its place in the ecosystem in the equation in the value chain is more secure
0: yeah yeah, I- exactly. And I think, you know, we're going to see companies get founded, great ideas, you know, uh, come to fruition. Uh, again, with the idea of, you know, there's going to be some kind of exit strategy and hopefully the exit strategy is going to be positive for that insuretech. tech. But I think we're going to continue to see, especially around things like, you know, analytics. I think in the, um, you know, I know you're primarily property and casualty, but I think, you know, Foxo is a great example. That was like kind of a really interesting example of, of uh, how we're going to marry longevity and life insurance at a, mm. in a startup. And so when you think about, you know, you know, some of these blendings, I think we'll we'll see, you know, some interesting insure techs come out here. Yeah. Uh, So I think, you know, it's probably not going to be, as I said, you know, the world doesn't need, you know, yet another contents inventory app or anything like that. Give me something that's a little bit different. You know, I was pretty excited about Claim Logic, which, of course, who knows where they went to. But, you know, an orchestrator for the whole claims ecosystem, which I thought was really cool, but then, you know, just disappeared. So, you know, others, you know, have gotten, you know, you know, acquired. So,
2: Do you think, and this is maybe a little Debbie Downer, I don't know, but do you think that (laughs) insured tech is working? I mean, are companies becoming more profitable? Are they settling claims quicker? Are they getting more customers? Are they doing what they're setting out to do with this technology wave? Or is it just that everyone uses technology, therefore insurance companies have to also?
0: No, I think it really is making an impact on the claims experience for sure. Um, When you think about what's happening with, especially with data and analytics and AI um, that, you know, are are straight through processing, you know, we, Mm -hmm. that's one of the other things that we had talked about in the predictions report is, you know, the level of straight through processing, but the ambitions that PNC insurers have, and frankly, life insurers have, you know, at different points in the, you know, in the customer journey uh, around straight through processing are really ambitious, so, you know, 70% is, you know, for, for, for claim straight through processing is, you know, that's what everybody is, is, yeah, that's what Just we're trying that's to get our, there. Well, they're trying to get there, but you know, you have some that are even more ambitious than that. Right. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, life insurance applications. Yeah. We're, we are, you know, we are going to be using AI to cherry pick the best applications. And so our aim is night, we had one carrier in a life insurance, um, uh, uh, evaluated a piece of research that we did in 2021, 95% straight through processing the life insurance apps. Sure.
1: Wow. I want to get to life in a minute sure. because, because it's a different animal. Oh, totally. Which, yep. Which means that many of the applications are more interesting in life. Than yeah. they are in PNC. Back to PNC for a second. What are the segments or the areas of insure tech that you find particularly interesting or promising for the future?
0: Well, I gotta tell you, on the claim side in PNC, scorching hot is payments. Okay. Payments. And when I say payments, it's not paying your premium so much, it's the whole disbursement process. So, how do we, you know, how do we make that better? So, this, I think you're going to see some interesting opportunities there with, you know, how we're going to expand our, you know, the kind of the payments remit. I, you know, of course, Duck Creek got acquired, you know, is, is taken private, uh, yeah. you know, announced this morning, you know, by Vista. But uh, on Friday, they announced they had acquired Imburst, which is basically payment rails. Um, and I was really excited to see that. But when we had interviewed about uh, 45 um uh, either retained risk groups, self-insured and primary insurers uh, last year, payments was a big thing. The whole disbursement process. How do we make that better, um, you know, for our customers? And uh, so payments, you know, I got to be honest with you, you know, yes, we say the business of insurance is about the business of the claim. It ain't, you know what it is? It's, it's all about the payment. It's about getting paid. Where's you got money? it, Rob. Where's my money?
2: Uh-huh. Where's my money? Uh-huh.
0: Where's my money? And I want uh-huh. it fast. And the you quicker
1: know, quicker, the easier.
0: That's right. The better. Yeah, exactly. The other thing. Nobody,
1: nobody wants a check except my wife.
0: Well, no, there are some, some ritual kinds of things that a check and life insurance, you know, for instance, is a great example of right, that. Right. You know, I don't think I want that necessarily, you know, for the death of a loved one or something, you know, you know, in Venmo. <laughs> Deposit
1: directly to yeah, right? exactly it on your phone.
0: The ritual Probably of the nice check, day. yeah, you, you want that. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, certainly other things that we're seeing, anything on recovery, sub-row is huge. Yeah. Sub-row is huge. So, you know, I, I think you're going to see, you know, some interesting companies kind of emerge here. If they're not paying attention to the sub-row space, you know, how do we, you know, how do we route, how do we triage, and how do we recover, um, you know, from third parties? Yeah. Does that
1: go back to what you said about – building a, a economic yeah. uh, better economic engine yeah that it, that here's this whole opportunity that we haven't paid a good enough attention to wait
0: wait, to, wait, till you guys hear this we did um, some custom research um, uh, I might as well say it Cognizant we did a customer study for Cognizant and we talked to I think it was between 100 or 200, I don't remember off the top of my head, um, claims professionals in the U.S. and Canada. And one of the things that was so crazy about the research was we asked what they thought their leakage was. So, you know, not paying the right amount, overpaying. Um, Do you guys have a sense of, for the claims that were processed, what that leakage number was?
1: I don't. 18%.
0: What about that? 15%. 15%. 15% 15% leaving on the table. Yeah. You know, in this marketplace, can't do that. Can't do that. It affects your performance. It, it, you know, it, it's going to impact, you know, how the regulators look at you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was, you know, you need to get leakage under control. And
1: and Subro's uh, the obvious place.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: yeah. I can't tell you how many carriers we work with that we never hear
2: the word. Subrogation? Yes.
0: Really? Wow. Rightly.
2: I mean. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of times it doesn't, we're not in that, in that world with them. Well, yeah. But
1: we're certainly right next door to it.
2: Yeah. yeah. There's always, there's always more effort that could be put there. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that, you know, kind of going back to strengthening our foundation to grow Um, you know, we want to make sure we're paying the right amount, but, uh, you know, preventing claims to begin with. So, you know, you brought up flag rail, great example of an interesting company about, you know, how do we get better underwriting insights? Um, you know, uh, is it better views, defensible perimeter, Uh, you know, more intelligence about property, more intelligence about the risks we're assuming. These are big areas that I think we're going to continue to see. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk about life.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: (laughs) You don't get that reaction often. Well, we've got life insurance.
0: Well, no, because we have, we did some, an interesting um, bit of work back in 2021 and we're, you know, uh, hopefully going to really exploit it, but uh, around longevity. Um, and you know this is a big area. You even have Google uh, or Alphabet, excuse me, Alphabet, looking at the whole you know longevity space. So you know you know this kind of fourth wave of of digital that marries digital with you know these kind of biologic agents. And Fox, Foxo, you know, a startup was one of those great examples of, uh, you know, using um, epigenetic markers as a, is basically the means for underwriting. Um, and I only what, came across that. What's that? What is that? Uh, well, you know, I, I, a, a, you know, I'm not a, you know, I am not a epidemiologist or a molecular biologist, but you know, Basically, what this was, was you're going to not have to do, you know, the typical paramed, you know, pee in a cup, have a blood draw, EKG on the couch from the paramed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it was going to be using uh, saliva um, as a, you know, mm-hmm. u- using, uh, you know, genomic data, you know, to yes, basically same. assess your life insurance, mm-hmm. your risk as a life insurance prospect.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. I heard about these guys at Insure Tech Connect at, uh, at uh, Sureify's uh, yeah. summit there. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. We've heard of Sureify. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, one of the problems we have, I'm sure it's a problem you have too, is that um, there's so many names. Oh, yeah. It's hard to give up with her. <laughs> what do yes. they do? What do yeah. they do? But, but life is something that is, isn't life much more direct to consumer?
0: No, you really need the agent there. Um, uh, you know, uh, direct to consumer. Yeah, you might see it here in the U.S. market. To be honest with you, Rob, because of of the group voluntary space, right? You know, life insurance, supplemental life insurance. You know, through your workplace, mm-hmm. but uh, you know it in many senses demands an advisor to really kind of explain it. And then the sad thing is, is that, you know, a term life policy, which is inexpensive for a first time life insurance buyer, um, isn't worth many agents and advisors time. So those are the right. ones where they don't call you back. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we did an interesting. It's not a lot of money to be made there. Yeah. W- well, it is, you know, we did an interesting little bit of mystery shopping back in uh I think it was 2017 and 2018 with seven life insurers here in the U.S. and seven in Canada. The Canadians were really good at having their agents call you back. Here in the U.S., not so good. Mm -hmm. Not so good. So
1: so what excites you in the life space now?
0: Well, I think, again, kind of going back to this sense of this combination of longevity and life insurance, and we're going to actually be using this kind of fourth wave of data where, you know, it's, um, you know, I guess the question is, what would you, you know, what would you expect a life insurance company to do for you if you were willing to them giving, willing to give them your sequenced DNA? Think yeah. about that, you know, where they have that as a, wow. as a data source. So
1: I, I've actually been thinking about that, about, you know, ma- the, the mapping of, of, of our genome and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff and, and, and the application for health, yeah. right? not just to improve your health or to guard your health, but in the insurance world right for for health insurance exactly. life insurance of course and and that's where it's I mean if you're betting because life insurance is just this big bet right yeah. I bet you're I bet you're not going to die.
0: Yeah. Well, um, and this is like this whole longevity space is really interesting. But, uh, you know, and there's some interesting uh, uh, scientists looking at this, but, uh, you know, some of them are positing that there is someone alive today that could live to over 200. Goodness. Yeah. Well, and again, you want to have a great quality of life. So what is it about your genome is going to make you, you know, ensure that you can enjoy that retirement, you know, so Mm – you know, this could be great news or scary news for anybody scary in, the, news. Yeah. in the variable annuity space or, you know, anything like that. Could but you you know, it's going to mean some interesting new products, new ways of underwriting in the life insurance space.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But we've seen a lot of insure tech life insurers, yes? And, yes. And a lot of yep. activity there. Why is that? How come?
0: Well, I, I, well, I, you know, I think you know the world didn't need another lemonade. You know, on the, on the, on the PNC side, I got to be honest with you. Yeah. If I if I saw another you know lemonade like I was going to throw up. And to be honest with you, <laughs> lemon lemonade looks an awful lot like State Farm these days, if you ask me. Yeah. So, but the life insurance base, I think, was really underserved. And I think, you know, uh, you know, so then you saw the bestows and the ladders and the fabrics, you know, come out. And they were thinking about new ways of doing things and, you know, new ways of, uh, of um, you know, I don't know. Do you guys, have you heard of Dead Happy, the no. life insurer in Liverpool, England? Love that name. No, I've Dead not. Happy. Yeah. Uh, and I came across them. I can't remember where, uh, but it was an article I had read in Vox about millennials approach to death. And they have a very different perspective about death and things like that. And I came across dead happy, but dead in Liverpool is like the way we use wicked and awesome here in the U S it means very. And so you're very happy and the, you know uh, what uh, uh, dead happy was doing is, you know, here's a new experience around life insurance and, you know, why not involve your beneficiary in understanding that, you know, they're a beneficiary. And, you know, one of the cool things that Dead happy did was, you know, give you a way to kind of tell uh, how you wanted that life insurance distribution to be used. Take your friends on a trip around the world, do this, do that. But, you know, you know, so it was really kind of lovely. Not
1: just the money, but this is what you're going to use it for.
0: This is an experience. Yeah, Very use it use it for something that you know celebrates life, which uh-huh. I thought was really cool. So uh-huh. that was one that really stood out to me here. Uh-huh. Ben Akiva was another one in the life space but around uh, around the beneficiary experience, how mm-hmm. to make that better. Yeah. Um, so we've had,
1: we've had them on.
0: Yeah, interesting and they are and i'm sort of surprised to be honest with you that we haven't seen a competitor in the insure tech space to come out and give them a run for their money cuz i think that's a good thing i think in mm-hmm. some senses it's a good thing to have some competition there um, right. just well, don't now, need
2: 50 now that you said that <laughs> they're all coming <laughs> yeah, i'm sure i'm sure they say thank you yeah Why are you- the life- oh,
0: yeah oh, go ahead but the life space is you know uh, you know, we, we saw some stuff on demand life and, and, you know, some, uh, you know, uh, you know, new underwriting angles and, uh, you know, different parts oh, of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: I listened to, uh, Peter Atia. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Who's a longevity doc. Yeah. And has a whole longevity world that he's created. Mm. And, uh, uh, it's, it's fascinating stuff. And, and they're I mean, that's exactly what he's, pushing is, you know, how far can we push this envelope of a a quality life? Yeah. Um, But it
0: has some interesting, you know, it's, you know, the obvious implications obviously for life insurance and annuities, but it also has some interesting implications for, um, property and casualty. You know, Mm -hmm. you think about this older workforce, you know, the average age of the American worker has increased. And, you know, what does that mean for things like workers' comp? What does that mean for technology to keep people safer and on the job um, longer or in different ways? And so, yeah, it may not be your classic auto and home, but it could be, you know, something that we're doing around small business insurance, something we're doing around uh, autonomous vehicles, things like that.
1: So, We've, uh, we've gone past our allotted time which, <laughs> for which we thank you, but I want you, I want to get one more insight from you before sure. we go, because you're nothing, if not a fountain of insight, It's <laughs> just so wonderful. We were, we're eating this up. This is great. And that is, so you talk about 2023 and what could happen in the insurtech world, uh, in, in, in this year. Talk about the next five. What do you see?
0: Well, you know, I think this will be, you know, the um, a a time of reckoning. Obviously, uh, in twenty twenty three, for a lot of insure techs, and I think a lot of lessons learned are going to come out of this. You know, I think anybody who's started in in insure tech know that you know, for most successes, um, takes three tries, right? Three tries, Um, and so don't give up. Keep trying. You know, try and do something. Different. Look around. Think about it differently. So I think we're going to see better differentiation over the coming five years. I think we're going to see things moving into more commercial spaces potentially, commercial property and casualty. um, Using. uh, uh, Hey, let's face it. You know what's what's coming. You know, uh, Delta, United Airlines, and uh, who else? Flying cars, right? Yeah. So, what does this mean now? For as we as we have new kinds of risks that we have to ensure? the permafrost melting in the Arctic and Greenland. What does that mean? Right. So, you know, you're seeing new kinds of you know companies like Canopy and things like that uh, of mm-hmm. how we're you know um, tracking and ingesting weather data. So, I think it'll be things around climate. It, to your point, Rob and Lee, around longevity, you know, quality of life and uh, you know, we'll see some really interesting things around, frankly, quantum mechanics moving forward. You know, uh, blockchain will hopefully finally, you know, f- develop a, you know, more than ideas, but you know, some real use cases in the business of insurance. So we'll start to see some of this cool emerging technology actually, uh, you know, get manifest as some some cool startups.
1: Well, we will, we're going to write all that down and, <laughs> and, and hold you to it. Okay. And now that we've had you once, we're going to bring you back again. Well, you know uh, where to
0: find me now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. we do. And I
1: don't even have to go through LinkedIn now. That's right. So we can't thank you enough. And it's been an a, a honest pleasure to have <laughs> you and, and to uh, to pick that. Big brain viewers, thank well,
0: you. Well, pleasure, thank you and so be- much. yeah, and best wishes for a great twenty twenty three for you guys. Hope it's prosperous and always interesting.
1: Yeah, and we'll get to go to InsureTech Connect this year, yeah. and there will be fewer people. So there you have it.
0: Yeah, maybe, yeah.
2: <laughs> maybe the same. They'll just all be working for the same company. There, that's uh, right. yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Right. Just yeah. leave
0: your COVID at home, which is where I got
2: it. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, we'll leave it at home. Sorry. Well, we thank you so much for being on. Yeah, Take thanks, care. Ellen.
1: You know the coolest thing about our podcast is we get to talk to people like Ellen Carney.
2: I agree. It's the people that we get to talk to, you know, whenever whenever we get to meet these people and then we'll see them again at a conference or an event. Uh-huh. It, uh-huh. it it really is the neatest part. It's kind of what uh-huh. keeps me coming back is uh-huh. is the the people we get to meet.
1: And for somebody like her, I mean, there's companies that pay
2: st- Vast lots, sums of
1: money lots, to talk to her and her cohorts at Forrester, and uh, and she gave us you know fifty minutes today uh, and didn't hold back on insights and
2: ideas and um, she's so knowledgeable she has so much in her right she yeah. she studied this and knows this information inside out it's a pleasure and sharp as a tack right yeah she was a delight yeah unlike you
1: and me why are we not sharp I don't know. I don't know either. No, no. I our, audience, our audience yeah.
2: is sharp. Of course, because they listen to us. Oh, wait. <laughs> they, listen to our guest. They, they listen to our guest. They listen to our guest.
1: guest. They listen to our guest and they sit there listening to our guest and they probably say, boy, this podcast would be so much better
2: if they weren't on it. Yeah.
1: If it was only the guest.
2: They just put up with us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. We're the paywall.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. They're like,
1: you know, you got to have us. You got to have us. You're stuck with us. If you want them, you got to have us.
2: Anyway, thank yeah, you. No, okay. what? Not nothing. What? I was going to go on a whole tangent. There's no need for the tangent. Let's just, okay. uh, okay. He's trying to be funny today. It's not going well. <laughs> twice, twice.
1: Smackdown <laughs> comedic, comedic smackdown. I know Anyways, my place.
2: I know my place.
1: Uh, we thank you all for being here. We thank our intrepid team of producers And we thank you most especially for being with us. And until
2: next time, goodbye, everybody.